Well, it's great to see everybody in church today. How many are ready for the Super Bowl, as Caleb just mentioned? How many are rooting for the Rams? Let me see your hand out there. Boo. How many are rooting for the Bengals? Let me see your hand out there. And how many are like me? You're rooting for the Seahawks all day long. Wondering why we're not there and trying to figure out how we're going to get there next year all day long. You guys are homers just like me. Uh, Pathetic, but I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, We are in this series where we are talking about What does it look like to live, love, and lead like Jesus? That's the big, big idea that we're talking about really uh, January, February, and really throughout the year. Uh, I I can't think of anything more important for us to really focus on. It's so easy to talk like it's true. It's so easy to think like it's true. But are we really doing it? You know, don't just talk about it, be about it. Are we living, loving, and leading like Jesus? Are we really praying about that, pondering it, growing, changing, adjusting in our life to become more and more like Christ? We've kind of used this metaphor of a filter, and and we've talked about filtering our life through the Ten Commandments, which we're walking through uh, these opening months of 2022. Last fall, we talked about the Beatitudes, and uh, later this spring, we're going to talk about the one ethic, the ethic of love. And as we think about these, the goal is to filter our lives through it so that, uh, uh, you know, contaminants are are filtered out of our life, impurities, disobedience. You know, where are we indifferent? Where do we have apathy as it pertains to what God is teaching us in these passages? How can we filter that out of our life so we can be more faithful in living, loving, and leading like Jesus Christ? And uh, we're going to be focusing on commandment number five in just a few moments honor your father and your mother. We're going to talk about how can we apply that to our life in such a way that it helps us live, love, and lead more and more like Christ. Now, we've been talking each week about these uh, uh, biblical developing a biblical worldview. And I've shared this Venn diagram where I've said each week, and I'm going to just be brief here today, but uh, for those of you that are online, for those of you that are in this service, What does it look like to live, love, and lead like Jesus? Well, I think we need to live in the center of three circles. Biblical morality, the Ten Commandments and the Eight Beatitudes is that first big circle uh, in the upper left-hand side. Uh, but, But we don't just run around with a billy club saying this is what we believe is right and beat on people. Why? Because we're trying to reach people for Jesus. How many of you know the purpose for which we're here is to help more people come to know Christ as Savior? How many believe that? Not just around the world in missions, but also right here in our Jerusalem, right in our back backyard. And so biblical purposes, the great command, the great commission must be core, must be central uh, to how we do these things. So we, we believe what we know, we know what we believe, we anchor deep in truth, nothing changes that, but we also need to contextualize our faith in such a way that we can help build bridges, be ambassadors, be witnesses, be salt and light, and help more people come to faith in Christ. Imagine if you were the one that was lost and didn't know Jesus, and nobody cared. How, how terrible and hopeless that would be. But imagine the more positive view of that. Imagine you were in need and someone really cared, and they did they all they possibly could to build a bridge of faith to you through Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. And then biblical virtues is really all about uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. You know, be patient, be kind, be forgiving. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Those are character traits of Christ. And we ask ourselves, how well are we doing at exemplifying those character traits? So, so important. 
Now, I want to give you a verse from 1 Timothy for live, love, and lead. I've been doing that the last several weeks, and so let's go ahead and look at this next slide. I love this one here. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, whenever I read scriptures like that, I always just kind of automatically think, okay, who was, who was emperor uh, during Paul and Timothy's day? It was the bloodthirsty, blood-curdling, life-killing Nero. Anybody ever heard of him? I mean, he eventually took Paul and Peter's life. Um, you may not be happy with the mayor of whatever city you live in. You not, may not be happy with the governor of your state. You may not be happy who's president of your nation. But they're not Nero. They're not Nero. And instead of hurling vitriol and hatred and contempt, what does the Bible say we should do? What does it say? Pray. Pray. Novel thought, isn't it? We should pray for those in authority over us. Is it true in your life, is it true in my life, that we pray mostly for those that agree with us and we agree with them? I think it probably is. How about those that think differently and act differently and behave differently, have different ideologies or philosophy? The Bible says we're to pray. That's what it means to live like Jesus. This word godliness is a word that only appears in Paul's writing in the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Eight times in 1 Timothy, once in 2 Timothy, and once in Titus. And it means to live life with a deep reverence for God. That's the idea of that word, a deep reverence. And this whole scripture talks about what it means to live with a deep reverence for God. Peaceful lives, quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Be the real deal. Be authentic. Be genuine. Be people of, uh, of supreme faith. Now, what does it mean to love like Jesus? We turn to another First Timothy passage, chapter 1, verse 5. I love this. It says, the goal of this command is to love. And that kind of Christ-like love must come, look at the next words, from a pure heart, that's one of the Beatitudes, from a good conscience, we need to have our heart right and our mind right, and a sincere faith. Whenever I see the word sincere faith in the Bible these days, I ask myself, am I doing well at living out a sincere faith, which to me means to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus? How well am I doing God, how well am I doing in that? How can I grow? How can I change? How can I step up? And then the last verse from Timothy is uh, to lead uh, like Jesus. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, but set an example for believers. Set an example. This is what it means to be, a, to be a leader, to model, to exemplify. In speech, how's our speech? Love, how are we loving? Faith and purity. Live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead like Jesus. I received an email from a friend in our church that I have not seen for going on three years. And they wrote an email and said, Rob, it has been a long time since we've had a chance to chat. I've been taking in the services online since the start of the pandemic. By the way, I want to give a shout out to all of our wonderful church 
who's online today, and uh, every Sunday, you know, we have a growing congregation of folks that serve online. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Probably all of us have taken advantage of that from time to time. But I want to thank you for being with us today, all of our church family online. If there's anything we can do to serve you, to make these services more impactful, please let us know. Sierra, right down here all the time, it runs our online services, and we would love very much to uh, serve you any way we possibly can. Thank you for being a part of our church. Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for praying. And thank you for attending. We appreciate it so very much. My friend goes on to say, I marvel at your ability to speak truth with such a respectful tone even when our church family is at odds with each other. Odds at each other. This may come as a surprise to you, but have you noticed people have a different frame of reference when it comes to politics? Anybody known that? Is that new to you folks? People have a different opinion over mask wearing. People have a different opinion over vaccination. Is this new to you people? It's not new to me. I've heard it from about 14 different sides. And, uh, you know, people, you know, have really strong opinions on all those kinds of things. And my friend here refers to it. He goes on to conclude his brief little email by saying, your conversation to live, love, and lead like Jesus is so timely and inspiring. Thank you. And I was really uh, fortified to, to hear him say that because it means so much to me, and I hope it means a lot to every one of us, that at the end of the day, the most important thing in all the world is for us to be the people Christ has called us to be, to live like him and love like him and lead like him so thoroughly, so committedly, so convincingly, and, and we feel it to our toes, and, and it's the most important thing we pray about every day. And our kids see it, and our spouse sees it, and the people we work with sees it, and people around us, and lost people see it, and they say, that is what it looks like to live, love, and lead like Jesus Christ. And I hope that's true for every single one of us. Now, let's turn to commandment number five, and let's talk for a few moments about honoring mother and father. And then we're going to take a look at the New Testament version of this uh, particular commandment that incorporates children in just a little bit more. And I really want to uh, spend uh, a good majority of, of our time really talking to parents. This week and next week, we really want to focus on, on the family and, and building uh, the foundation of the family. The Ten Commandments were the foundation to Jesus' life and ministry. The Judeo-Christian ethic, the Judeo part of the Ten Commandments. Jesus built his life on that foundation. One of my sons just bought a home uh, here this past week, and he had an inspection a couple days ago. And, you know, if the inspector comes through and says, you got a faulty foundation, how many know that's a problem with that home, with that house? Well, I want us to examine the foundation of our homes. I mean, you know, moms and dads and children, you know, those kind of homes. And I want us to just take a really close look and ask ourselves, how is it going with regard to our homes? Do we have a healthy foundation? Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord has given you. I think we understand what this scripture means. We're to esteem, we're to respect, we're to revere, uh, we're to be grateful for our parents. And those of us that have been blessed to be raised by godly, loving parents, that is one of the greatest treasures we could ever have outside of Christ. And to whom much is given, much is required. I've always felt that for my life. Loving mom, loving dad, blessed so much by that. And to whom much is given, much is required. I think 
uh, I need to really step up and, and be the person Christ calls me to be because I've been given that incredible advantage. But you know, that's not true for everybody. It's not true for everybody that's listening right now. Some of you have parents that maybe are unloving or unkind or don't serve the Lord, maybe even abusive or hurtful. And this is a hard commandment, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. It's a hard commandment for you to kind of get your head wrapped around the ambiguity and just the incongruity of all of that. How, how do I do this when I've been hurt so deeply? And I would just say this. It's hard. God will help you. But this isn't saying honor your mother and father because they're perfect. It says honor them because they gave you life. And somehow, some way, in the midst of all that you're dealing with, God will help you find a way to fulfill what he wants you to fulfill with this particular scripture. Honor father and mother. It's a foundation to family life. It's a foundation is the family to our society. And we are to honor mom and dad. Now, look in... Uh, the New Testament at Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4, at the New Testament version of this commandment. And what does it say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So obviously, if your parents aren't in the Lord and they're telling you to do something contrary to Scripture, you know, you need to obey God rather than man. But, um, you know, that probably is a sermon for another day. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then notice this next part. This is where I want us to hang for a little bit here in the moments that we have. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Raise them up in the training and instruction. You know, I've talked to many people through the years that have said, you know, this idea of God being father is really hard for me because my father was you know, not very kind. You know, and that in itself is a great challenge to all of us dads to understand the great responsibility and the great privilege we have of loving and caring for our kids in such a way that they have a very healthy opinion of what it means to love a father. Father is kind and merciful and a protector and, and all of those kinds of things. But it says here, bring up your children. And I'm going to apply this to moms and dads. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And I want to challenge moms and dads in these few moments that we have here. What are you training your kids to do and be? What instruction are you training your kids to do and be? Instructing them and training them in the Lord. What does that look like? What are your training objectives, if I can put it that way? Uh, one of uh, our son's is a jump master in the Army, and uh, he was trained to jump out of planes, and now he trains uh, others to jump out of planes and checks all their gear. Kind of an important responsibility. There's quite a checklist and a lot of things that need to happen for all that to go safely and wise and well. And I was just thinking of that uh, metaphor a little bit here this week. You know, we have 18 years, give or take, before our kids jump out not of an airplane, but out of our family. Now, as someone pointed out to me in the first service, we never stop being parents. I, I get that. That's very, very true. But we have basically 18 years to do a really, really good job at training our kids to be successful in life and, most importantly, 
to serve the Lord full throttle for the rest of their life. And so I just want to challenge us to think about that for a few moments. Lisa and I raised three sons. We were not perfect parents. Our kids were not perfect kids uh, because there are no perfect parents and there are no perfect kids. How many know that to be true? You know you're not a perfect parent and you know your kids aren't perfect kids, but all the kids say they are perfect, right? Okay, so there you go. Um, there, there just isn't. You know, the, the goal isn't perfection. The goal is to try to stack days and weeks and months and years of doing the right thing, the godly thing, the Jesus thing over and over and over again as best we can. It's never perfect. Sometimes it's three steps forward and two back, but, but we keep inching toward the goal. And so I just want you to think with me, what are the training objectives? What do I want my kids to make sure they really have dialed in by the time they step out of our home, you know, 18, 18 years seems like an eternity when you're in the middle of it. How many moms and dads know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're racing to this thing, racing to that thing, changing diapers, doing this, doing that. It's like, goodness sakes, I can't wait for 18 years to come and go. But, you know, you look back as an OG, an old guy like me, and you look back and you go, wow, it went fast. It went fast. And you can't help but step back a little bit and say, did I do well? Did I do my best? And I think for the most part, Lisa and I would say we got it right, largely by the grace of God, the word of God, and good influencers, people. It's wonderful being a part of a church community. Besides family, you have a lot of other models and examples you can follow. But, you know, nobody gets it quite perfect at all. And if you had to do it over again, you might do it better the second time. Uh, but, you know, you get one shot to raise your children. And so you don't need me to tell you that the most important thing in the world outside of Jesus are our kids, right? And there's just nothing more important to us. And so I want us to think about it. what are those training objectives that we want them to, to jump out of our plane with? And you might be surprised that there are two general training objectives that really flow out of what we've been talking about. And as I think and I pray about it, I think they're so vitally important. And the first one, of course, is to live, love, and lead like Jesus. And I think this is more important today than it would have been four years ago or five years ago or six years ago because Christianity has been hijacked by a lot of different ideologies and philosophies. People take Christianity and they kind of slap it on their cause and for many people, Christianity is more about a cause than it is about Christ. And I'm deeply, deeply concerned by that. If our faith becomes something different than Jesus ever, may alarms go off in your mind saying, hello, I'm in a danger zone. If I live one more day or a hundred more years, it is today and will be then all about Jesus. There's only one Savior. There's only one King. His name is Jesus Christ. Can I hear a big amen to that? And I need to, I need to take it to the next step and say, Lord, how can I prove to you that's how I really feel by living, loving, and leading like you did and like you've called me to? And so I want to ask you, are you doing well, moms and dads, with kids in your home? Looking back at it now as a, as a, uh, as a grandpa, you know, Lisa and I have an opportunity kind of from 
the second level to try to influence our grandkids a little bit. Papa and Grandma Sisa, that's who we are. To Rowan and little Lily, Papa and Grandma Sisa. But, but moms and dads, you got the front row seat. And I just want to encourage you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. And I just want to ask you a few hard questions. Are you teaching your kids to live, love, and lead like Jesus? Or do what they see in your home, do they see a lot of vitriol and a lot of hatred and a lot of anger and a lot of contempt for other people? On social media, in your home, wherever the case may be, are you just hurling all sorts of uh, cacophony toward people that think different, look different, believe different? Remember, Jesus used examples of Samaritans who were a different politic, a different race, a different belief system as not only good examples, but people that were to love. The parable of the Good Samaritan. How about how Jesus loved deeply the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? And we could go on and on. To live, love, and lead like Jesus requires we build a bridge in our prayers to start with and by loving people that are very different than us. Are you teaching your kids that? Or is it our way and the highway? Just us and everybody else that believes differently, they're, they're jacked up. They're messed up. We live in such a divided day of politics. We live in such a divided day on all sorts of other things that I fear many families are allowing that to cloud and confuse what's going on in the home. And as someone who loves you and cares for you and is praying for you, I pray you get that right. You've got 18 years to stack days and weeks and months to try to build into your kids what they really need. And they need empathy. They need mercy. They need compassion. They need to treat other people with grace. Doesn't mean you believe what other people believe. Doesn't mean that you throw biblical morality out the window. No, you believe deeply, but you also want to reach passionately to help more people come to faith in Christ. The second area and we've been talking about this too, is when your kids leave your home, have you prepared them to leave with a biblical worldview? Because when the winds and waves and storms of life blow hard against us, it is so easy to get off course. We are living in a day and age in my lifetime where there are more unprecedented conspiracy theories and wacky ideas that many people are following that do not match up with Scripture. But people run with it like it's Jesus talking. And friends, that's not going to end well. And if you're training your kids to run after the new flashy fad and they're not anchored deep in God's ways and God's word and God's wisdom, they're going to end up at the end of it all saying, why did mom and dad teach me? Why didn't they train me? Why did they get sucked into this weird stuff? 
understand and live it out. Live out a deeply biblical worldview. I care about your kids. I'm concerned about your kids. The next area is 10 specific training objectives, and we're going to go fast through some of these. And if I'm teaching on the Ten Commandments and I have 10 training objectives, can anybody guess what those 10 training objectives might be? <laughs> and I want you just to think about this with me a little bit. Um, before I dive into these, I want to just say that I know that there's a lot of unrest, a lot of concern, a lot of challenges with what's going on in society with regard to our kids. There's lots of unrest with regard to what's going on in schools. And uh, there's just a lot of, a lot of challenges that uh, many people are very fearful about, very concerned about. But I want to just say one thing here. Make sure, I beg of you, make sure you look in more than you look out. Make sure what you're doing in your home really matters. Because if your home is jacked up, it doesn't matter what they're doing in the school. I have seen far too many families not focus on the most important thing. Mom and dad's relationship, relationship with the kids, God being at the center. The things that we have, there's so many things we don't have control over, but that we have control over. Don't sacrifice what's happening in your home by spending all your time focusing on what's happening outside. It doesn't mean that what's happening outside is not important. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying make sure you don't forfeit. Make sure you don't allow to erode your home. Safeguard your home. Protect your home. Care deeply about your home. And while I know I'm speaking to the choir a little bit here today, I also know within the sound of my voice and all the various services, there are going to be many people that say, whoa, i got to think more about that point right there. i got to commit that area of my life to Christ. I need to make sure we get more focused in this area. And so I want you to be praying with me even as we walk through the remaining few minutes of this message. In 18 short years, I encourage you to train up your children and send them out with tablet one of the Ten Commandments dialed in. And that's the whole passages that talk about loving God. Remember, we talked about one God. There's only one. We're devoted to, to him. We're devoted to Jesus. No idols. We're not going to let anything take away our allegiance from Christ. We're not going to misuse God's name, not by uh, disobedience, not by being irreverent. We're going to fear and revere God Almighty. And we're going to keep the Sabbath day holy. That's a day to rest, remember, and reorder our lives once every seven days. We're going to love God. And so we teach our kids to love God. We exemplify and demonstrate in our home what it means to be God-fearing. And I want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you to so many moms and dads and families, single parents in our church that have made that a full-court press. Putting God first, uh, raising your kids in the church so that every possible godly influence can really saturate their life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And students, thank you for taking the baton and running with it and anchoring deep in Christ yourselves. Absolutely, so vitally important. The second tablet is one that I want to talk about just a little bit more, and we don't have a ton of time. But this is the tablet about loving others. And the first one is about honor. 
honor your father and mother. That's the commandment we're looking at here today. But I want us to kind of zoom out and just talk about honor itself. Are we doing a good job at teaching our kids to honor you, moms and dads? They need to honor you. That sounds maybe self-serving. It, it really isn't as much as it is the right thing to do. Make sure they honor you so that they can honor God, so that they can honor um, their bosses and their spouses and other people. We need to teach our kids to honor. A few weeks ago, we looked at respecting and protecting life. We need to make sure that we teach our kids to respect and protect life in totality. You know, do not murder, but if you zoom out, it's about life, respecting, protecting life. Certainly unborn babies, but how about the elderly? How about single moms? How about uh, kids in our community that don't have food? How about under-resourced families? How about immigrants who are new to our country? People get caught up in all the politics of that. Do you know we have people in our church who were carried across the Rio Grande by their parents? They've gone through all the process of citizenship and are wonderful contributing members to society. When you look at the people involved, life gets a little more complicated. How do we do at respecting, revering life, protecting life? teaching faithfulness and fidelity. Next week, we're going to talk about do not commit adultery. And so when you kind of zoom in, it says adultery, but when you zoom out, it really is talking about living a life of fidelity and faithfulness. Fidelity and faithfulness. And so I want to ask every married couple in our church family, both online, here in person, as I've done in the other services, do your kids see... Um, fully what marital faithfulness and fidelity looks like as they watch you? Do they see love in action? Do they see deference and service and respect and admiration and honor? If not, ask God to help you in that area. If you're really struggling in your marriage, reach out to the church. Let us help you find good Christian counseling, and get that working in a good direction. I have been in far too many counseling situations that I care to remember with a husband and a wife, and it has been hot and heated. I have come out beaten and bloodied and badgered, and my heart just sinks through the floor, and I often think to myself, how terrible and tragic for those children in that home. I mean, it's chaos, vitriol, contempt, hatred all over the place. It's, dear God, protect those kids. Help them to choose something totally different when it's their turn. Better yet, how wonderful if they learn what faithfulness and fidelity looks like as they watch you. There's help. There's help. Reach out if you need that help. We have parenting classes. We have marriage classes, all sorts of things. And then don't steal. 
Teach character, teach integrity, show it, display it, model it, display it over and over again. No lapses, no excuses. 18 years of unadulterated integrity. After 18 years, you can throw your life to the wind. How's that sound? I was kidding on that last part. That was a joke. Some of you have a good sense of humor. Some of you are struggling in that department. 18 years of complete faithful. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but when you blow it, you own it. You confess it. You ask for forgiveness. Love God. Love your spouse. Love your kids. Be a person of great integrity and character. Wow. Wow. Don't lie. Truth-telling, honesty, my word is my bond. Dishonesty deep-sixes a relationship. If a person's dishonest, you can't trust them. If you can't trust them, there's no communication. If there's no communication, there's no relationship. Honesty is a keystone habit and character trait that must be fundamental to every person's life, young and old, and moms and dads, we need to train it. We need to train it. You know, my, my sons, two of them went to West Point, and there's this big granite sign as you come in back in New York, and it says the West Point code. You know, don't lie, cheat, or steal, or tolerate those who do. And if you get caught lying or cheating or stealing, you're either kicked out, and if someone else does it, you're supposed to call them out. No excuses. And then last but not least, covet. This is one we could spend a lot of time on, and we will later. But right here I want to say, we live in a day and age with social media and all that, where the comparison gene is buried deep inside every one of us and inside of every young person for sure. And we're trying to measure up and we're trying to keep up and we're always comparing ourselves to other people. And I just want to challenge you as, as, as an OG, as an older guy who's, you know, raised kids and others would attest to this as well. Really challenge your kids not to focus on comparison and coveting and wanting what others have, but to focus on being generous toward others. And then here's the real one, focus on hard work. Just focus on, instead of wanting what other people have, just work hard. Get, be disciplined. Teach your kids to work hard. And for us, and I think many would appreciate this, and every child is different, but for Lisa and me, it, it was always about education. Faith in God for sure, but we're talking about something different here now. Education became a, a watershed habit that spills off into so many other areas of your life. Study hard, work hard, study hard, work hard. Get good grades. Every family's different, but, you know, we would reward our kids for good grades. They'd get money for good grades. They wanted to get good grades. I remember one time when uh, one of our sons, who was capable of doing better, brought home grades that were not acceptable. For us, we just believed that it was really important for them to do their very, very best, to work hard. And so uh, Lisa spoke into his life in no uncertain terms, told him to raise the bar, challenged him in the, the name of the Lord God Almighty. How many know where I'm coming from? And he stepped up from that point on 
and he went to graduate fourth in his class at West Point, which to us is a big deal. But here's the point I'm making. What if she wouldn't have spoke into his life? What if I wouldn't have spoken into my boy's life in some other areas? And maybe, moms and dads, you need to speak into your kids' life in some areas. Every child's different, but you know your child very, very well, what they're capable of. Our job is to hone them. Our job is to sharpen them. Our job is to prepare them. Our job is to bring the best out in them. And it's hard work. And it's tiring work. But Jesus is there to help us every step of the way. Amen? And so do not get weary in well-doing. Do not get weary in well-doing. In the best sense of the word, demand the best of your children. Challenge them to study hard and prepare themselves for the future. Well, our time is gone. I want to close. I want to pray for parents. I want to pray for parents. If you don't have any kids at home, would you pray for your grandkids? If you don't have any grandkids, would you pray for the families of our church? Now, let's just pray for one another. Lord, I thank you for all the moms and dads in our church that are loving their kids and leading their kids uh, and training their kids so, so carefully. This church is full of folks just like that. And yet, Lord, we know how hard it is to parent and raise up the next generation. There's nothing more important in all the world to us than our children and our grandchildren. But, Lord, it's easy to get weary. It's easy to get distracted. There's so many responsibilities. It's very hard. It's very challenging. Very challenging. Especially when you're at the beginning or in the middle. Even when you look back, you go, wow, just by the grace of God. But I just pray, God, that you'll encourage every mom and dad. You'll strengthen them. You'll give them wisdom. Give them insight. I pray that you'll heal relationship between husband and wife. I pray you'll heal relationships between parents, child, child, parents. God, I pray that you'll do a powerful work in every home. Strengthen the home. Strengthen each and every home, God, in the areas where they need it most. We have available to us the power of Jesus Christ to work in us and through us for that to happen, no matter how impossible it seems or how difficult it may appear right now. Jesus is able, amen? Jesus is able, and we believe in his power and ability to move in and through us to affect the change needed for his glory and for the benefit of our kids and our family. So God, I pray for every family represented you know exactly what we need. You know exactly where the needs are the greatest. I pray, God, as we open our heart to you and invite you and in, that you'll just permeate every aspect of our family. Bless every child, regardless of age. Bless every mom and dad. Bless every grandma and grandpa, God. And bless our church. May this be a church where together we help encourage families to continue to grow and be blessed of God and experience everything possible through Jesus Christ. Bless moms and dads. We honor moms and dads here today as really the key leaders of their homes. Friend, if you're here today and you've not committed your life to Christ, I encourage you to do so. Just pray, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. And if you do that, would you tell me about it on that connection card? Sure, we'd appreciate praying for you here this week. As we leave this place in a moment, Lord, go with us in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let's stand together. We're going to sing a closing song, and then we're going to be dismissed in a moment. Our prayer team's going to come down. We'd love to pray with you, pray for your family, pray for your marriage, pray for your kids and their family and their marriage. So come as we sing.